Hi, and welcome to Decoding AQ, helping you to learn the tools, mindsets, and actions to thrive in an ever-changing world. Hi, and welcome to our next episode of Decoding AQ. Today, I have for you a special human being. He, his name is Tony, Tony Martinetti. He's based in Boston, and he talks about navigating leaders through change. And this is something that you've been fascinated with uh, for a couple of decades. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm such a fan of your work and uh, adaptability in general. It's so, such an important topic. It is, isn't it, for life? I mean, this um, you know, reality of going through life, the things we face, the challenges we face, and doing it in a way in which we can navigate. I just love that word, you know, to navigate change. It's yeah. a beautiful way of just conceptually thinking about it. And I want to take us back, Tony, to, I've done a bit of homework, you know, to do my internet stalking. I know we've spent some time together as you went through the certification uh, with us at AQ, but you started out life as a financial analyst and a lot in finance, um, over a decade in pharma, various different pharmaceuticals, sort of going through different finance and business, um, you know, what led you into that in the first place, Tony? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me to answer that question, I may have to go a little further back to then bring you forward. Um, so I was a creative child who love to draw and paint. In fact, I was um, big on creating environments and worlds that um, I put on canvas and I would paint rooms that had different feelings and emotions to them. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but apparently I was very forward thinking because it's a bit about what I do now. Um, but I was, I had this creativity and ultimately um, a lot of my environment was shaped towards, well, you need to make a living, you need to work hard, you need to find a way to, um, to find a craft or a profession that's going to, um, to put you in, set you up for success. And creativity and painting and drawing, all that stuff's not gonna do it. So um, find a real job. <laughs> um, so that led me down this path of uh, first pursuing um, the idea of getting into uh, becoming a doctor. So I was a pre-med major. I want to be a radiologist, in fact. Um, so I got from, came from the arts into the sciences. I love the sciences. I had this curiosity for all these different things. Um, but then I realized I had, I lacked this ability to really connect with the chemistry part, you know, understanding chemistry and what have you. And um, during that period, I thought, okay, well, what is a fun, what's a fundamental piece of business? What is the language of business? And what is something that I can use as a tool no matter where I go? And that's when I fell into this world of finance because everyone needs to know how money is managed, how money can be used to unlock the, the you know, to unlock a business's potential, really. And so I, I fell into that. Um, and that's what I did for almost 25 years is I was in a career where I was using this fundamental tool but on this um, deep down, there was always this person who saw people, saw emotions, was empathetic, 
and had a creative um, person inside who was just dying to get out. And I think a lot of people saw that in me, but I constantly was kind of saying, well, this is not who I am. I am a finance person. I deal with numbers. It's interesting, isn't it? You used the phrase, I fell into it. And I had an interview last week where someone said exactly the same about HR. They just fell into it. Yeah. And as they were describing it, I said, well, you have to be on the road where the hole is to fall into it in the first place, you know? Yeah. And it was just that, that kind of just, uh, you know, we think we fall into it, but actually it's a series of events yeah. that we set up that might not have been completely aware to us at the time mm. that enabled us to be at the precipice of that hole to fall into. Yeah. And then you, you described about this sense of maybe what was always inside you, a mm. creative, I guess if Minecraft had been round um, yeah. when you were growing up, that would have been the space for you, you know, creating yeah. these worlds of yeah. uh, different environments. And I, I guess my next kind of follow on to that is so a world understanding the currency of business, you know, the language yeah. of business in finance, then getting to this place of people and creativity and you, um, you know, really looking at and wanting to understand and unlock not just the potential of business, but then the shift to unlocking the potential of people. Mm. And that kind of uh, shift in the last few years more intentionally, was there a trigger that did that? Was it just the young Tony finally getting control uh, of the of the direction? Or was there a particular event that happened for you, Tony? Yeah, I, I'd like to share the particular event, but I, there's one thing I wanted to pick up on and it is the nuance of how you described, how you picked up on my story. And maybe I'll share this little insight before I tell you that moment. I think the decisions that, you know, you talked about the falling into this space um, is that a lot of my decisions were based on logic, using my thinking, using my head. And what I've realized now that I really uh, step into this moment of thinking about this is that I wasn't using my heart to drive my decisions. I was using my brain. And when you connect the two together and you start to make decisions from that place of what does it, my heart want? What does my soul want for me? Um, then things start to shift. I don't think I really connected with that deeply until much later on in my path. Um, so I think that's where I continued to lead my life with my head and it got me in trouble because I started to get burnt out. Um, I had depression. I had moments that were really dark in my life. Um, I won't go into the dirty details of that, but ultimately it was a very you know, dark period of my, of my life where I was on the outside. People saw me as a successful person who was making great things happen in the biotech space, which really serves patients and does amazing things in the world. But ultimately here I was dying inside. And, um, I found a way out. There was a lot of different things that I, you know, therapists, meditation, a lot of tools that I, that I grasped onto, including like, an, I, I would say an unhealthy amount of self-help books. Um, so an unhealthy uh, amount of self-help books. That's a yes. beautiful oxymoron. Uh, yes. I like that. Truly. But um, the true changing point was I had built this myself out of that. I got myself out of that, that, um, that valley and started to climb up out of that place. And ultimately what I found was 
I was still not satisfied. I was still in this world of corporate, the corporate world. And I found myself sitting in this, this boardroom of a biotech company and feeling as though like something's not settled with me here. I'm seeing these leaders who are not leading with their heart, really. They're not inspiring people. What they're doing is they're trying to protect their image, making themselves look good. And it really made it clear when I looked around the room and saw these people all checked out, looking at their cell phones, kind of like rolling their eyes and saying this again, you know, this is happening again. And I thought to myself, like, I think I'm done. I think I've reached my point where I can no longer collect a paycheck and just phone it in, right? To use that analogy, phone it in. So I decided at that point that I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to leave the room right now. Um, very scary and no plan. Um, but I said, uh, in order for me to change this room, how leaders show up, I need to leave the room. And I did. And that was the start of, uh, you know, the next chapter of my life. It was a moment that defined me, um, for who I wanted to be for the rest of my life. It's interesting. You talk about this sense and what I had running through my mind as you were talking was whose lives are we living? Yeah. Are we living the life that our environment has, you know, laid in front of us, our parents and peers, when we get a sense of belonging, contribution, applause that gives us a pathway. And at some point, for many people, we realize, is that pathway in flow with my whole self? You talked about mm -hmm. your heart and mind in terms of a consciousness to that flow. And mm -hmm. often it takes a dark moment in order to see a potential future or see nothing else than change because you can no longer continue. That just okay, it's still okay, but it needs to be not okay before yeah. we go forward. And I, I guess that moment that you talked about, you know, this beautiful, you know, inner valley crawling out and this sense of to be a leader, I had to get out of the room, I had to change mm. my environment in order to adapt and be somebody new with a new identity. And that courage and bravery, just tell me a little bit about, you know, what happened when you made that decision to be out of the room? You know, what changed in you and what changed around you uh, when you left the room? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question. And you, you bring up so many things. Um, I think the questions you ask, there's also an underlying feeling of what is on my mind about this. So first and foremost, I'll say that the first thing I had to do is say like, what the heck am I doing? What do I need? What do I need to do at this very moment to start thinking about the process of creating the thing that I need to create. And I started questioning myself at that moment to say, who am I to do this? Why am I called to do this? And I started to ask me, myself all those questions. And I really kind of dug deep. Um, you've heard of the five whys. I, I have my own personal journey into asking myself the five why questions. Why me? Why and why, why now? Like why, why, why? And kept on asking why until I got to the point where I said, ultimately, what I really want is I want to make sure people come to work. They feel inspired. They feel like they can have a filling life and they can feel as though they're not wasting their time going to, to work 
by just collecting a paycheck that they can ultimately unlock their full potential. And so when I got to that core of what it was behind it, then it made things a little easier for me to say, okay, now all I need to do is figure out how I can be the vehicle for that, how I can be the one to make that possible. And coaching became that thing almost immediately, but I had to figure out, you know, how do I do that? How do I overcome all the imposter syndrome, all the challenges around that? When you have a really strong reason to do what you do though, it really makes it um, possible because you come back to that point of hope is that I know there's hope around this. I know there's a possibility around this. The one thing I wanted to share um, was this element of like how the prior me had adapted to the environment that I was living in. And it's, it's funny how I, I come to realize that we are such an adaptable species as people and we adapt to toxicity. And until that moment comes when we say, wait a minute, wake up. Like you have now made yourself comfortable with living in toxicity and that's not okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. That uh, element on the side that's talking about coping, you know, within adaptability and resilience, it's to cope and we might transmogrify ourselves into a creature that when we step outside is ugly. You know, it was a nature of survival, of coping, of those things. And you changed oneself into something that wasn't beautiful. But at the time was just maybe incremental. We didn't see it. It happened over time. It was the slow Chinese torture of the drip, drip, drip. Hmm. And we cannot then observe the mirror image. And you talk about the prior you, you know, and being able to identify our own journeys as different individuals you know our past selves our current selves and our future selves and you know one of the things that's a very hard thing to do is then to share your story to try and inspire others and you shared just quickly before and i felt a real um emotional state from you of pride and excitement and various things of, Hey, Hey, I got some good news for you. I got some good news. I can't wait to share it, but I got my book published. And, Mm. you know, a couple of weeks ago, climbing the right mountain, navigating the journey to an inspired life. Now there's no surprises that in your mind, you were talking about all this Valley. I was in it. I was, you know, climbing out and all of these things. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to then share and put that in a book? Because it's not an easy thing to do, is it, Tony? It's tough, tough, hard graph to get through. So real congratulations. And tell me, what inspired you to put it into a book? Yeah, what I found is as I was, I was, as I was getting on in my career as a coach, I was finding that there was so many things I wanted to share with people and so many things I was hearing from the people who showed up at my door that I wanted to kind of put into um, a vehicle to share with others. Um, and the book became this thing that was piecing together from different elements. And I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to, to have put voice to all of this, to share my story, to, to really model the way for others too, because ultimately what I wanted to do is to not hold punches back about how to show up and how to lead your life in a different way. Um, it's funny 
how the tagline is an interesting thing. It says navigating your, you know, your journey to an inspired life. You know, an inspired life is a, it's a tough, tough thing to, to swallow. And people see that they're probably thinking, oh my God, like, is that like some, you know, Instagram inspired life? Like, oh my gosh, hashtag inspired. Um, that's not what we're after here. We're after a life that's meaningful to you. We're after a life that it gives you some meaning that allows you to connect to an inner reason to be and how to show up in the world. And I think that it all came from this fact that when people are climbing the wrong path, they might be doing it for the wrong reasons based on what other people define as what success and fulfillment looks like. So it's really connecting with what I always say is an inspired purpose, the purpose that you're here for, the reasons you want to climb in the first place. And that's the one thing that I really connected with deeply in this book is to say, if you don't like who you're turning out to be right now, maybe it's time to pause and check in with yourself about the path you're on. Maybe it's time to, to really redefine your path around what you think success is for you on your own terms, not what everyone else thinks it should be. I want to dig in a little bit to inspire. This means something to you. Yeah. You know, it means something to you in the, your business, in coaching, in the book, in all of these things and inspires, you said, is this another hashtag, you know, uh, of type piece and to inspire is Mm. to breathe in, Yeah, you know, to breathe in. And you've had a, a bit of a journey. And I'd, I'd love you to just uh, follow me a little bit in this questioning because I want to link two things together. So I want to link the to inspire and what connection you have with that word in your business and, and uh, within the, the book. And also you spent some time and I think you might still be there in terms of dealing with psychological safety. Yeah as a trainer and that organization, you know, the fearless organization. Mm. And I wonder what your thoughts are around to inspire what that means to you and then link it a little bit for me into psychological safety. Um, Cause I'm, I'm intrigued by those two things personally, and I'd love your thoughts on that. It's a great question. And honestly, I don't think I've ever had someone ask me in that way. So I'm thrilled that you did. I mean, first of all, let me start with this, this thought about the inspiration. I mean, inspiration is such an important concept that people think, oh, inspiration, that's great. But it's at the center of how we, we walk through our day. I mean, you need to be inspired to be able to inspire other people. And it's not something that you just have and you just kind of stick, that it just stays with you. It's almost like building a muscle and it's, you know, something you have to train yourself to find inspiration in little things, to find ways to continue to, to find the things that connect you with your purpose. And I think one of the things I say often, and this is where things people lose me sometimes, is that inspiration is a communication with your soul's purpose. And so when you see more- Say of that again, just pause yeah, sure. and say that again for us slowly. Inspiration is a communication with your soul's purpose. Fantastic. So when you- are just inspired. Let people just take that yeah. in, Tony, because that's a really profound piece. And often in these conversations, we're so quick to go through for the next bit and the next bit of the story, but let's just 
Yeah. Let's just let, let's breathe that in, you know, yeah. of inspiration as being a communication with our soul's purpose. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Uh, sorry, just cut your flow, but yeah. I, I really feel that something people can just take a moment with. Um, yeah. Please carry on. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because it is something where it's in those moments of silence that it truly shows up and you start to connect the dots between your inspiration and your soul's purpose. Think about it this way. When you're going through your day and you find yourself all of a sudden, like kind of running on fumes and all of a sudden you feel this, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And you pause and you take a moment away from your running around and you, you know, think about why did I start, you know, what was my intention for today? What was my intention? What was kind of, what got me up out of bed today? Um, and you start to reflect back and you think back to the things that really light you up. Um, and this is the thing that starts to become the cut through the noise of your day. That's the signal that inspiration is sending you and saying, yeah, connect with that. You know, I worked in the biotech industry for so many years. And one of the things that, you know, one of my, you know, the leaders who I always admired is Henry, Henry Tamir. He's uh, since passed, but he was, I used to always say, it's all about the patients. It's all about the child who's waiting for this disease, you know, who's waiting for this, this therapy to be approved. That's going to save their lives. And when you think about that and you get so inspired by this one thing you can do, you know, one more spreadsheet, one more number, you know, one more clinical trial, um, you keep on moving forward, but you have to get silent to remember, yeah, there's a, there's a person behind all this and that's the person I'm doing this for. Um, I want to now connect the dots back to psychological safety and what I think is important is that in order for you to be able to get people to feel safe in a space, to feel like they have the ability to do what they want, to have their voice, is you have to get them to feel, first of all, safe to be able to share what's lighting them up, what's truly on their heart and in their minds. And you have to create that container for them. And if they don't feel like they can be themselves, they can't share from themselves from their heart, then ultimately what happens is there's a big blockage to truly getting that connection and innovating and really kind of unlocking any of the potential of the people on the team. So that safety that you create, and that's why they call it fearless, because fearless means that people are able to really be themselves fearlessly. Um, and I think that's the power of using inspiration as a key to unlock that. It starts with that. I, I'm really grateful of your insights and connections because there's a lot of talk around psychological safety, you know, and it shows up in a variety of ways. And it's this balance between the practicality and getting so engrossed in the psychological elements of stuff, you know, into the academic. Yeah. So then, well, how does this really show up? You know, is this about people sharing? Well, yeah. we can share, but for maybe many years, you weren't sharing you. Yeah. You were sharing a version of you. 
And so for me, the connection here is where inspiration and psychological safety come in is you can share your authentic self, not just share. You can, yes, share, you can create psychological safety. You can have no judgment. You can do those things. But are you sharing the masked version? Are you sharing that because you're just a little bit conscious, maybe not as much, but about your environment? Or are Mm. you you in its full glory of those things? And I think inspiration has a lot to do with that. And I think leaders, certainly throughout my career, as I've I've seen them, is they feel the pressure themselves Mm. of how they perceive their need of them showing up. You know, whether it's challenging of their own vulnerability or to be humble, to not have answers, to do all of these things. And throughout the last couple of decades, you know, this sense of what an identity of a leader has. And for a leader to have psychological safety and to be themselves, often that was then in the coaching, behind the closed doors, in the counseling, in the other areas. And it never got to show up. And it's what excites me about your work particularly in terms of getting in flow, getting Mm. close to our soul communication, to this consciousness, to unlocking the true versions of somebody. And that that's not easy, right? You know, that takes a whole load of whole load of work. And in terms of, you know, why you're doing what you do in the world is obviously a, a piece of all of these stories, these events that you've gone through. But tell me, Tony, in in 12 months time yeah what will the manifestation of tony 2.0 or 3.0 or you know this published author who's yeah. on his podcast working with leaders going through change what does tony look like what does he do how does he behave what kind of adaptions do you need to do in the next 12 months, 18 months to be the version of yourself that you're trying to be. Just walk me through a little bit of that because I know you're somebody who deeply reflects now and yeah. thinks about his thinking. So take us through some of the things you've got on your own roadmap to navigate your own future. Oh, I love this. Uh, it's funny because I continue to lean into the, the spaces that I feel like I need, that I would not need, but I want to really embrace more of. And there's this element of getting people into really seeing the connection between the arts and business and science and converging those areas together in some almost like a, a jazz ensemble um, where we all kind of connect. And so I continue to see myself getting, playing with that area. Um, one of the things that I really wanna create for people is this ability to experience art in a different way, to to see things in a different way by being more experiential. I mean, we're going into a world where, you know, sure, virtual reality was one thing, but there's art pieces that are immersive. I just went to this this experience this past weekend where I was at, I went to go see a piece of work at the PBD Essex Museum in Salem called um, All the Flowers Are For Me. And it's this metal box, when you shine a light inside the middle of the box, the entire room is uh, lit up with these, these beautiful um, patterns. And it just is such a great analogy about how, like just shining a light in the middle of something, illuminating a box changes the whole meaning of what the box is. 
And you're now, any person walking in that room is part of the canvas. And I think it's such a great way to experience life is to see that like one minute it's this, next minute it's that. And any person can be illuminated and shifted from just changing one thing. And so it's a long-winded answer to say that I want to lean into more experiences that immerse people deeper into themselves. And that's just not the people, but it's myself. That's a really lovely story of this just sense of so many meanings inside there, you know, shining a light in something to mm. create what's inside that can then have beauty around and mm. that the environment can be part of that beauty. So if we think about this from an organization and people perspective, that how might we be able to shine lights inside somebody for their art, for their unique exactly. ability, for their aura to expand, but not only that they're isolated, but that the whole environment can be part of that artwork, that jazz exactly. ensemble. And that's just a beautiful yeah. picture and kind of world I'd like to live in, Tony. You know, a world where people are emitting their light that dances and interacts with the people around them and might spark off something else. Let me tell you a quick, quick story, Tony. So Please. today we did a um, workshop session all around building keynotes. And there was one section that I was leading all around igniting emotions. So what is the emotion you want your audience to feel and at what stages? And I was talking about this and one of the participants reflected back and she said, you know, what you just said really resonated with me in the fact that I'm not trying to create that you know, emotion for them. It's actually inside them already and I want to release it. This is how I described, you know, uh, emotional work is that it lives inside them. You just yeah. have to give them the ability for that to shine bright, you know, and come through, through your stories, through your uh, pieces. And when you were telling that, it just really came to, to life in a full technicolor way for me mm. of how powerful emotion is. And I want to loop us back to where you started, where you were living a life that was governed by your brain, by your mind, by rational decisions. And at some point there was a fork where you'd gone so far, you felt out of alignment and a reconnection to your heart and consciousness, your ikigai, you know, your, your life's purpose. How, you, you know, you had to reach an event to see that. How might you yeah. be able to get people earlier upstream? What are some of the signals that people could look out for before they're at the bottom of the valley, before they're at that, that maybe they don't need the burnout, they don't need the absolute yeah. bottom, that you might be able to come upstream? So think about and talk, and maybe you've observed it in others throughout your coaching work. What are some of the early signals, Tony, um, before the valley of despair, before the base point that you observed in you that others might be able to recognize early? Yeah, I love that you bring this up because first of all, I think there's um, there's so many insights from this in the book as well as um, just things that picked up along the way. And and it's you know the starting point is really look at your look at your week ahead. If you look at the week ahead and you say to yourself, "Gosh, there's nothing about next week that I'm even excited about. There's nothing about tomorrow that lights me up or like that I'm looking forward to." If you start to live your life just like hoping for, oh, I'll be happy when I get to that next thing or when I get that thing, 
then there might be a sign there that you're you know you're not living for today you're living for some un- uncertain future um it's great to have goals and it's great to plan for things that are in the future that's awesome and it's definitely not a sense of like selling yourself short in any way shape or form but you have to be happy in the moment and in your current days and if you can't connect with something in this moment that's fulfilling you and you're finding some way to be um, feeling good about yourself, then then you need to kind of adjust course a little bit and see how you can bring some of that back in. Um, it's not an easy life. No one has an easy, well, I'd say nobody. Most of us do not have an easy life and that's not what we're after here. What we're looking for is a life that we can be happy to live in, in the current moment. Uh, a life happy to live in. Yes. And that's by design. I, I like yes. that kind of thinking of, you know, a lot of life coaches and all of these people who design your life and all, all of these things. But the reality of bringing light, you know, what lights you up yes. This, you know, this box was shining light and it lights up and it emits it. So think about tomorrow, the next week, what's there that is lighting you up? Think about yesterday and the last week, what did light you up? And that's a great piece of insight there, Tony, and advice for people that they can do right now. You know, they can just take a moment and really think about the connection to what's lighting us up. And I think we've come, and I hope you agree, way beyond and forward the perhaps, you know, 80s and 90s and all of this sort of no pain, no gain, you know, kind of. (laughs) Ah, you have to feel pain in order for it to be good. You know, you go to the gym, you need pain. You go to work, you have to feel pain in order for it to be good. I think we're way beyond that now. I think we're in a place where we can balance that. Yes, there are things that are painful and they're worthy of us showing up and using all of our grit, using all of our skills, using Mm. team support, using those things to go through challenge. But that shouldn't be without light. It shouldn't be that we have to face challenge in the dark. We can face a challenge, but one where there's internal and external light uh, within there. I wonder if you could share a story of perhaps, you know, working with so many different leaders in all sorts of areas, what they're facing right now and how you're helping them to maybe overcome some of these challenges, because there's no doubt there are challenges ahead and there are challenges we don't even know what they look like, what shape they are, or what environment they are, and how we need to, you know, our, our love together of, you know, this balance between inspiration and adaptability. And mm. leaders are facing things that they don't know the shape of it. They don't know what it looks like. And how are they able to adapt? How are you able to help them find their inspiration in order to navigate that? So give us some real examples of what people might be going through what some of your clients are going through and how you're supporting them on a practical sense to help them prepare for this, you know, crazy complex world that we're now living in. Exactly. No, and it's funny. The first thing that came to mind was, uh, was thinking about the people who are adapting with, you know, getting back in the office and dealing with the emotions of reconnecting in the office. I have a few people like that. Um, especially the people who used to be very social. I have one person I'm working with who actually was an HR professional and 
she is an HR professional and um, she's really struggling with like her identity inside the office. And um, she, you know, almost to the point where she's shown up at the office a couple of times and turned around and went home because she doesn't feel as comfortable in her own skin around other people, which I know seems like pretty strange, but I don't think her case is that, un- that uncommon. We've been disconnected for so long that you need to almost restructure the way you interact with other folks because being on Zoom is not the same as being in person with other people. Um, and so, you know, just working with her and getting her to connect with, like, what are the things that she really wants as she gets into the office? What are the things that she wants in terms of when she gets reconnected with people? And how can she kind of play with her environment to allow herself to be more empowered in that space? Um, and it's going to take time. I think she'll, she'll get there, but it's going to be a journey of her own that she's going to have to navigate, but by building those little tools around the path of connecting with what's going to get, get her excited about going to the office every day. Um, I think that's very true. There's such a range of people of when they think about going back into being in and around an office and people mm. of what that experience is going to be like, because it's going to be different than before. We've gone yeah. through a transformation and we're in an, you know, we're new individuals, we're new versions of ourselves. We have yeah new expectations we have some things where they're blank we don't know the answer and so this experiential environment and to go in with new eyes to go in as the playful child to go in and give ourselves permission for a new identity for a new version and if we've created the kind of psychological safety that allows us to try those things on that's great. But I think there needs to be this period of time in which that we can allow a, you know, an opportunity for people to morph, to play things out, to figure out what that new rhythm looks like when they go in. And I I know my, um, my wife, she's gone through a lot of changes recently. She was um, diagnosed in March with cancer and has Mm. gone through a lot of different Uh, things about herself you know her career her roles you know she's been in financial services for decades and is it really her right through to things like her wardrobe is changing now part of this is oh had a test and shown that she's got a you know aversion to polyester and there's too much polyester in her body and that's causing issues. So it's, oh, I need to go out and get cotton and all of these things. But even if you strip away that, she's mm-hmm. recreating who she is. And it's really interesting um, to be there to support and not have a destination in mind, yeah. but just to be able to play with what am I creating next? Do I volunteer at animal, you know, uh, wildlife centers, you know? What is it and what do I connect with? And so um, as we wrap up in our conversation, Tony, if someone feels similar to what you just described of that HR leader, that Mm. they don't know what their skin looks like, they're going into places, whether that's physical in the office or in Zoom, and they don't know maybe if they are who they want to be anymore, 
someone who was obsessed in an unhealthy addiction to self-help books, written your own book, you know, all of these things. Where could people start to try and unpick some of those challenges that they might be facing to have a conversation with themselves? You talked about lighting up Mm. and reflect. Give us one or two other little simple tips to help us think about our thinking, to think about um, if we're facing some of those challenges, what should we do? How should we deal with that? I just love this. And first of all, I love how you said about the conversation with ourselves, because that's one of the things I'm always thinking about. And that's what really, like I always say my tagline is, um, is inspiration through honest conversation. And I really think that it's also about courageous conversations. And that's not always with other people. Sometimes it starts with us having conversation with ourselves. And that's really the point where you can really get the biggest impact because we don't have that conversation to say, what am I feeling right now? And that now I'm going to get to the real tool here, which is to say, and this is actually some of the advice that I've given to people who are feeling this way around the reconnection is that you, you might want to use the acronym stop, right? And I think this is not something I've invented, but might come from mindfulness somewhere, but stop, stop, take a breath observe, proceed, give yourself a moment to really understand what it is that I'm feeling into right now in this moment. And before I proceed into that, into the space, before I proceed, you you don't want to like just submerge yourself into um, an uncomfortable situation, an uncomfortable environment for you, if you haven't prepared yourself mentally to enter that space. So it, it comes from that place of just you got to take a moment to check in with yourself before really committing to being in. And I know this sometimes is counterintuitive to some of the advice you might hear around, Oh, get uncomfortable. You know, you know, growth happens in, um, in the, um, uh, out of the comfort zone, out of the comfort zone. And that's all fine. And I do it. I do believe that, but this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when you're feeling some anxiety around, is a new situation or a situation that is just giving you some real emotional stress, then that's not what we're, you know, you don't want to be putting yourself under stress just yet. Stop checking with yourself before you proceed. I like that. And it makes me link that to the difference between blind adaption and deliberate mm-hmm. adaption. You know, yeah. a deliberate adaption is one of observation. So that stop, you know, stop, take a breath, observe, Observe. proceed. Yeah. And a deliberate adaption is one with thought, with intentionality behind it. Doesn't mean that deliberate adaption is because you know what the end result is going to be, but you've just considered why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then hatching a plan of how that we might have a vision and hope. We might have the agency of the skills to do it. We might not, but we can reach out for help if we observe where there might be gaps. Mm. And I'd like to end on the point of the power of conversations, having conversations that are candid, that are, you know, ones with bravery Mm. with ourselves, with others. And sometimes it can be just a stranger. Yeah. And that, opportunity to think about that that a stranger can be yourself that's beautiful to think about okay i'm going to have a conversation with a stranger and it was it's me in five years time or it's me five years ago 
Mm. Can I decouple myself from that by thinking of them as a separate entity and a stranger? Mm. So whilst we were brought up to stranger danger, don't talk with strangers, <laughs> Tony and I are now saying, okay, let's talk to some strangers <laughs> of ourselves to, you know, just take the opportunity and, you know, all laughing and joking aside, this having mm. conversations with people that we can show up in a way to ask the hard questions and don't forget the power of the five whys, you know, mm. the Japanese piece of, right, let's get our inner child. Let's get the two-year-old. Why? Yeah. Why, daddy? Why? And do that with ourselves as a stranger. And mm. maybe we don't know the answer instantly, but we can take our time. When we take a breath, mm. that could be a day. It could be two mm. days when we ask ourselves that question and we observe what's going on before we proceed. If people want to get in touch with you, Tony, what's the best way and where do they get your book uh, as well? So tell Absolutely. us those things. Thank you so much. So first of all, the, the best stop for me is uh, inspiredpurposecoach.com. And um, you can take my assessment there, which is a leadership journey assessment. You can check out where you are right now and where you'd like to be. And you can assess your gap and figure out what you need to do. Um, so that's for me. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Yep. Um, and all the other social media platforms. My book is available on Amazon. And you can also find a link to the book on my website. Fantastic. It's been a, a real pleasure. And I always find, you know, um, this balance with, oh yeah, 25 minute podcast. That's the thing to do. And I'm, <laughs> you know, 45, 50 minutes. And does anybody, you know, listen that long? I could talk to you for hours, Tony. It's been really insightful and a joy of jazz uh, to go on a discovery of thought ideas and sharing so thank you for that opportunity it's certainly things that give me light is conversations yeah. with people like you so thank you for giving me that gift it was my pleasure and such an honor to be here with you my friend take care bye-bye thanks do you have the level of adaptability to survive and thrive the rapid changes ahead has your resilience got more comeback than a yo-yo do you have the ability to unlearn in order to reskill, upskill, and break through? Find out today and uncover your adaptability profile and score, your AQ. Visit aqai.io to gain your personalized report across 15 scientifically validated dimensions of adaptability. For a limited time, enter code PODCAST65 for a complimentary AQME assessment. AQAI, transforming the way people, teams, and organizations navigate change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decoding AQ. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast directory, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please do leave a review, and be sure to tune in next time for more insights from our amazing guests.